Matthew 16, 8. The last few weeks, uh, I've kind of been zeroing in on us a little bit and the church and uh, our responsibility. It would be a shame for you to walk in any church or be a part of any organization on the face of this earth and find out that the plan you were following was just man's. I'm a firm believer that man can't come up with much good stuff. But God has a wonderful plan. It's a plan that if we follow it in our lives, it's not that we're not going to go through storms. And Lord knows we have storms now all around us. We have a storm on our way. Many of you as a family, many of you as an individual, you've been going through storms, whether it be storms in your finances or your health or your marriage or you're with your kids, you know what a storm's all about. And sometimes we just don't know how we're going to react when we're in the midst of that storm. But there's one thing about it. Jesus has given us a plan. And and we have to keep our eyes in the midst of that storm as Jesus focused on Peter and he called Peter out of the boat in the midst of a storm. And Peter came to him but he began to sink. The reason Peter began to sink was didn't have anything to do with the Lord not having the ability to keep him up. He got his focus on his problems. He got the focus on the waves and, and the turbulence around him. And, and let's face it, we're all guilty of that. If we're not careful, right in the midst of the greatest storm of all, we will take our eyes off Jesus. So, in Matthew 16, I want to talk to you today about building the Lord's church. Because, you see, the Lord is the one that established the church. The reason we gather is not because a group of us had a bright idea to call an organization or a church, Solid Rock Baptist Church, in 1989 and begin. Jesus had this way before us. And so, in Matthew chapter 16, 18... The Bible says, now I say unto you, you are Peter, that you are Peter, and upon this rock I'll build my church. I hear oftentimes we refer to where we go to church, that's my church. Well, if it's your church, I don't want to go to it. I don't want to have anything any part of your church. I want to have to do with his church. Jesus says, the church is mine. It's not yours. It's not your idea. You're just supposed to follow me. Receive me. Accept me as your Savior. And then I will lead you in my church. I got news for you. If you're not involved in his church, if you're not a member of of the the church of Jesus, you're lost as a goose. And when you die, you will not go to heaven. You see, we got to be a part of the church. Solid Rock is not the church. It is a, it's, it's sort of a splinter following him, just as the 12 disciples. We've just grown more than 12. But it's not the church. Jesus said, I am the church. Now, 
it's interesting because if we're following and we're building in his realm, he said, you will build a church where the gates of hell and all the powers of hell will not prevail against it. Tell me something. Why are churches all around us every day closing their doors? Why are they dying? Listen, the Lord's church is not dying. It may not be, uh, not everybody is wanting to be a part of it. You know, everybody wants to be considered religious, but religion won't help you when it comes to eternal life. You can believe in all kind of stuff, but if you don't believe in Jesus, you're messed up. And you got to be following the right one. You see, the foundation of the Lord's church, according to Psalms 118.22, is the, the Bible tells us Jesus is the cornerstone. And in this passage, I want you to look at it. It says, and now I say it unto you that you, that you are Peter. Now, you don't understand the significance of this verse unless you can read English out of a, of a Greek word. The word rock referred to here in Peter is a little rock. It's a little pebble. Now, people here today, and I won't name the different denominations, but they're building their church on Peter. What does Peter represent, man? It doesn't represent God. But Jesus said, look, I will build my church upon the rock. That Greek word is Petra. What does that mean? Jesus said, I'm building the church that I've come to establish on me. Not you, Peter. You see, we somehow, we get this all messed up. We think it's all about us. It's not all about you. It's all about him. Now, thank God he loves you. (laughs) Thank God he came to die on the cross for you. And I don't care how messed up you are today. I don't care how addicted to whatever on life you shouldn't be addicted to. You're on God. The Lord Jesus came to die for you. He cares about you. He loves you. And he wants you to be a part of his church. Someone said that every church is defined by what it's committed to. Now, let me ask you something. What are you committed to? What are you committed to? Are you committed to your job? Are you committed to your hobbies? Are you committed to your family? What are you committed to? What, can, what defines you today? If you were to die and I were to stand before you and I would say, so-and-so was sure committed to what? What are you committed to? is it? Jesus in Matthew 22 said, there's some things you better not miss. They're not complicated, but they're not being practiced today. In Matthew 22, verse 37, Jesus said, you must, that's a mandate, guys, you must love your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Can I just 
speak out loud, man. We wouldn't be without anything in this church if that were true about all of us. If we love Jesus with all our mind and all our soul and all our heart, can I tell you what you'd be committed to? You'd be committed to more than an hour or two on Sunday. You'd be committed to more than that. Jesus could count on you for more than that. But I hate to say it. But if the stats are correct, 90% of the people of the local churches today are not committed any more to what takes place here on Sunday. Jesus said in verse 38 that that's the first and greatest command, but the second command is equally as important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Unfortunately, today, many of us don't know our neighbors. We don't care. And you want to know why the church is, is not growing like it ought to grow? Because you don't care. You don't give a flip or rip. You don't care whether people die and go to hell or not. Jesus came to this earth because he cared. And he knew if he didn't get here and he didn't show up and he didn't become the Savior of the world, all of us were going to go to hell. Why can we go to heaven and so many can't? Because he cared. And he gave us, when he left here, the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says he gave us that Holy Spirit to do one or two things. You know what it is? To listen, but the Holy Spirit is calling out unto us because God put within us a void, and that void is to worship him and be committed to him. Sometimes I wonder... If we really are committed to people and we really care. Oh, look, I know you care about your kids. I know you care about your grandkids, but what about your neighbor? What about someone that's in your family and you know is lost, but you've gotten to where down deep you don't just really care anymore? I don't care. If you were put in the rich man's shoes and died and ended up where he went, And him looking into the bosom of Abraham and seeing Lazarus there, he just asked one question, Abraham, would you please let that beggar that stood outside my gate that I wouldn't give to, I didn't even give him the scraps off the dog's table or off the table for the dog. Let him come and give just a tip of water. Abraham said, no, can't happen. And then all of a sudden, you know what? He got real concerned then about his five brothers because they, he said, they too are going to come in this place. They're going to follow me. They're doing exactly what I did. Nothing. Can I ask you something? Do you even care even a little bit about your family? of whether or not they come to know Jesus or not. Man, 
One day you're going to care. You better listen to me because every word I'm speaking right now is going to soundboard back to you at the throne. You're going to care because you're going to know the ones that you had the opportunity to share with that you didn't share. You're going to know that they're in hell. And you had an opportunity and didn't take it. Well, Mike, I gave them firewood because they didn't have any firewood. I, I, I gave them food. You didn't give them the most important thing they needed to hear. They need to know about Jesus. Do you care? Or have you gotten so cold and so calloused in your life that all you worry about is your own little storm? Right now, you're sitting in a, in a cool building on padded pews, and outside is dry. But less than about nine, ten hours from here, it ain't what's going on. And we're going to feel a bit of brunt of that tomorrow on Tuesday, but not like what they're feeling or sensing. The eight or ten feet surge that went through Houston, we're not even thinking about Houston anymore. And those people are still suffering. You know what we think about? Us. Our own little Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples, followers of Jesus, to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And ladies and gentlemen, the end of an age, the end of this age is not far off. Jesus' church is not going to flutter Fail or fall. Those that are really his are going to be with him in eternity. If you're not connected at the hip with Jesus, you will not be with him in eternity. He he either today is in you or he is not. You've either stepped back through the leadership and through the conviction of the Holy Spirit, accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, or you're lost. And I don't want you to believe anything because the Word of God doesn't teach that we follow anything else but that. That's the only way. Remember, Jesus said, You must love me, love my Father with all your heart, with all your soul, in your mind. You know what that means? That means when you wake up in the morning, Jesus is on your mind. When you go to bed at night, Jesus is on your mind. You see, there are two types of people. There are those that wake up in the morning and say, well, good morning, Lord. And then there are those that wake up and say, good Lord, it's morning. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? You see, there are two kinds of church members. Those who are content with the way things are. And then there are those who desire the church to be what all it can be for Christ. There are those who are happy to be a to be a good church, and then those who are hungry to be a great church. 
Now, I'm not satisfied being mediocre. I know that's probably all I am, but I'm not satisfied with it. I think we need to be what Jesus is. Don't you see Jesus as great? Don't you see his church as being great? Well, then how do you view where we're at here today? Believe you, me. When we named this church, Solid Rock Baptist Church, this man was not the one in mind for this to be built on. It was the rock Petra that we're building on. Because I know and I knew that the gates of hell were going to come against you and everyone that be a part of a church that Jesus established. It just happens. Well, if we're going to build it his way, then there's some things we're going to have to consider. This will probably be a two-point or two-part message, so I'm not worried about it if you're not. But there's some components that Jesus reminds us about. That if we're going to be a part of the church of the Lord, we got to be doing it his way. Well, how do we do it his way? Well, number one, you and I have to, first of all, magnify. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean lift ourselves up? Nope. The word magnify means to worship. You remember in John 4? When Jesus was sitting at the well and he told the Samaritan woman that there will come a time when they would no longer worship in just one place. You would no longer just worship God in Jerusalem. There would come a time when you would worship God in spirit and in what? Truth. Well, guess what? Some of you came today, and it's unfortunate, but you haven't worshipped since last Sunday. It's unfortunate. You see, what Jesus was saying is that the church don't come to the church to worship. We come to the church and bring our worship with us. Hopefully, you spoke to Jesus A few days of this past week. And today. You see, worship is something that goes on 24-7 in a believer in the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, worship the Lord your God and serve him only in Matthew 4, verse 10. Worshiping God first is the mandate. It doesn't matter what we do to, as a church beyond worshiping God, worshiping Jesus, lifting him up, magnifying him. We leave that out. We've left out the most important part. Psalms 34, verse 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. We shouldn't worship out of duty. We need to worship Out of an inward desire. We want to. Leads to an interesting point. I ask you what you're committed to. Are you committed to it because you have to? Or are you committed to because you want to? Do you show up on Sunday or do you show up to serve during the week? Or do you show up because you want to? Or is it because you have to? I'm going to tell you something. If it's because you have to, you ain't right with God. 
just ain't right. We don't do that because we have to. We do it because we have a desire to. I hear people all the time saying, well, the God I worship, and I hear different ones begin to rewrite the Bible. Well, you know, the God I worship would never allow anybody to go to hell. Really? The God I worship made homosexuals the way they are and accepts their lifestyle. Really? The God I worship accepts anyone into heaven if you're good enough or sincere enough and what you believe. Really? The God I worship doesn't care whether I even go to church or not. Oh, Jesus made and developed and designed and built his own church and he don't care whether we attend it or not. Have we gotten that dumb? And I hear all people all the time, well, I don't have to go to church. No, you don't have to eat either, but you do. And most of the time, you pick out when you do eat. I think believers need to pig out a little bit spiritually. Get a little bit more involved and committed to the worship of Jesus. Look, you get to worshiping Jesus, and that service just comes automatic. You get real with God in heaven, and you plug your, your cord in the right socket. You won't want to do anything else but serve him. I, I get confused sometimes. So many people that I'm seeing have made, are worshiping a God made up in their own mind. Not after true worship. Not after truth. They're worshiping a God of speculation, and they're not worshiping a God of revelation. The God who has revealed himself in the word of God, true worshiping is worshiping the God of truth according to the truth of God's word. Paul says it in Romans 12, 1, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship, which is your reasonable service. How in the world can we say that we love God when the best that we do is hit and miss one or two times a month in a, in a worship service. And that's all that happens. Buddy, I, I'd be checking my heart out. Tell you what, you treat your wife like that and she'll kick you out. You just show up a time or two a month. I mean, unless you married a woman that just don't care about anything other than you bringing that paycheck home... And I promise you, one of the two months, you better have that check. If that's all you're good for. I hear a lot of times a guy says, well, I, I married my wife to cook and clean and, and take care of me and wash my clothes. Doggone, you can get somebody at the Waffle House to do that almost. <laughs> I think there's a little bit more expected there, don't you? Can you not say amen to that? I bet you women would.
I think our worship is a 24-7 deal here. Committing not just wives to their husbands and husbands to their wives, but committed unto God. We got a lot of people that were like the disciples that they weren't going to get out of the boat because it cost them something. You see, when Peter got out of that boat, he didn't have any clue where the stump was below that water. He got out thinking, Jesus, if you don't hold me up, I'm going to sink. I'm not going to make it. The second is ministry. You see, we magnify through worship, but we ministry through service, through serving. Everybody ought, that's spirit-filled now, connected to God, ought to want to serve. Why? Well, listen to this verse. 1 Corinthians 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given to each of us as means of helping the entire church. Now, if you're connected to the real church, if you're connected to Jesus, you know what he said he done? I mean, you say in your blood bought, saved by the grace of God. And if I die, I'm going to go be with Jesus. Well, you know what? If you're saying that, then you better acknowledge that verse. Because Paul says, that verse says, God Almighty has implanted in your life a spiritual gift. And that spiritual gift is supposed to help in the body, in the entire body of Christ. Now, tell me something. If the the Holy Spirit energizes us enough to realize we're lost when we get saved, and we claim we're saved, you don't think the Holy Spirit's going to move us enough to know that we're supposed to be serving and helping somehow? So maybe Billy Graham's right. 50% or more of the church is lost. Because 50% of of Solid Rock and 50% of the churches all throughout the United States are not serving. They're not. Not serving God. Serving themselves. Ministry is where a church exists to minister to people. You know, it's sad But church life has gotten to be, we want to come and hear good music. We want to come and hear good preaching. Well, so do I. I can't help it because you called this idiot from Knoxville, Tennessee. Well, you really didn't have a choice, did you? Most of y'all were after me. But you know what? I believe in the truth. There's a lot of the truth that we all are going to expose together through the years that just have my life left. But I believe in the truth. And I believe the truth is what sets us free. And I also believe the truth when Paul said he implanted, not, and I know what he implanted in me, but do you know what he implanted in you? You see, Paul didn't do the implant. He didn't do the implants. You know who did it? God did. When God saved you, 
He implanted in you a desire and a gift that you're supposed to give back. You mean to tell me you're good enough to take the gift, but you're not good enough to, to use the gift? To help him? He said, did he not? That greater works would we do. Now, it blows my mind, but didn't Jesus say this? That greater works would he do than, when he was, than we would do than he did while he was here on earth. How can that happen? Well, can I tell you how that can happen? Because he's implanted in every one of us. What he wanted us to have for this hour at Solid Rock Baptist Church to do for whatever it means to magnify him and for us to do ministry here at this church. But as this pastor, sometimes I feel like we're crippled. And I'll tell you why I feel like I'm crippled, because we're always in need of something. And not just money, we're in need of people. Why should we be in need of people to serve when already... God sent inside of you to meet the need. But you're not doing it. I don't understand that. I don't get it. Well, you did, I'm just too busy, Mike. Yep, I know. It shows. I just don't have time, Mike. I know. It shows. But you sure go and do the things you want to do. By golly, you take the money wherever you do get it, and you spend it on whatever you want to spend it on, whether you tell your wife or not about all them little secret hunting trips you go on. Or that number one wood you wanted to buy, and you hid that $100 in your wallet, told her you didn't have no money, and she wanted something. And God forbid... That anybody stand here and say, thus saith the Lord, you need to give to him. I had news for you. You better be giving to him. Because he's giving it all to you. I told somebody this morning. I've been fighting a cold for four days and I'm on so much medication. I feel like I'm a walking cold machine. So I'm a little bold today. But you need it. You need slapped around in the Holy Spirit a little bit, to tell you honest with you. Because the world's going to do it and Satan's going to do it. He's going to wear you out. I remember one time I was preaching in Centennial Baptist Church. That was my first full-time church. And I had a sinus infection, and I was on 500 milligram of Darvacet. And I think that Sunday morning I took two because <laughs> I almost cussed in the pulpit. I got so mad. I was ranting and raving. I just about, I said, Lord of mercy, God forgive me for thinking that. So I wrote it down. <laughs> I didn't say it and didn't get in trouble either. When you sit down in the seat, to go somewhere in your automobile, do you ever take time to think about the distributor or the electronic ignition? 
How about the radiator cap? You ever think much about it? How about the hood latch or lug nuts or the oil pan bolts? You ever think much about that when you get in your automobile? Probably not. However, they're all essential to the proper operation of your car. And if any were to fail or come up missing, you would know it. If you were to take a gas tank, a tire, a radiator hose, a steering wheel, and lay them side by side, nothing would happen. They have absolutely nothing in common except for the fact they're a part of a unit called a car. When you take that tank that holds gas, that tire that is mounted to a wheel and attach it to a car and the hose carries waters and all the other fluids to the steering wheel and put the steering wheel in its place, then the car can function as it should. The same is true of the body of Christ. Until you, that God has already given the parts needed to run and function, Solid Rock Baptist Church, stands up and says, God, I surrender what you've given to me back to you in this church built on Petra the rock. The car can't run. It can't run like it ought to. You see, while you might not be nothing but a nut on the wheel, and a nut many of you are, Nuts recognize nuts. We all have our part in the body of Christ. And you've been gifted if you're saved by God to see the church that, by the way, he set forth. He is making. He's building. I'm not serving Solid Rock Baptist Church. I'm serving Jesus. And I'm following him. Are you? With your heads bowed.